Hey, y'all, this is Sam. And Steven is back. And this is Crimeology. I really threw you off doing that, didn't I? Well, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it's not, nothing's normal now, so I guess right. it shouldn't have. But Steven's back. Finally. <laughs> We're back in our makeshift studio. I'm not in my closet anymore. Um, weird. I mean, <laughs> we got to do what we got to do. I have died from the cats. <laughs> So that's really what I had to do. Oh man. Life has connected again. I let I told Steven coming in here, like I I literally haven't been in here in like a month. Um but finally we're in the same area for yeah. a couple of days. Yeah, last week I was in Florida and then I don't know where we were. We just couldn't get together the week before. And I think we were off the week before that i don't know it's been a while yeah but hey we're back (laughs) we're here now it took us a couple weeks to reunite but here we are and boy do we have some doozies of stories to tell you (laughs) i'm just letting you know steven's crime corner that's what i'm gonna call it this week at least it's it's great it's kind of fishy but it's going to be really interesting. Okay. This is the first time that I've actually teased one of my... I know. So, I've also been holding on to this one for a while because I've just been waiting to tell this story. Waiting for your comeback? Yes. <laughs> comeback My story. glorious comeback. Well, here we are. So, I guess we should just jump into this and get started. This is episode 82, Laura Grillo. Laura was 37 years old and lived in Rowlett, Texas with her fiance, 38-year-old John Mar- sorry, Macris. The couple had been together about 7 years and they shared a child together and then Laura had two o- two older kids from previous relationships and the two had planned to get married the following week. So never sorry, my words. November 13th, 2015, around noon, Laura's brother walks into her walk into his sister's kitchen and finds Laura's dead body and then calls police. Police arrive soon after and find a single gun casing by her body. They see no evidence of a forced entry and no sign of distress. And then after officials examine Laura, they discover that she was probably killed earlier that morning. After 30 minutes after Laura's body was discovered, John shows up at the house. Now, oftentimes when a woman is killed, a husband or spouse is looked at as the first suspect. So around 4 p.m. the same day, John is brought in by police for questioning And police are just wanting to figure out where he had been that day and if he could have been involved. Police are on edge about John because he's not really emotional during his interrogation or during the time that he came to the house. There is a video footage of the start of his interrogation and we see him silently cry, but it's literally like 
less for a minute so he shows emotion i think like it was like 52 53 seconds and that's pretty much all he does and then he like wipes his face and is like all right go time like what do you need so this like police look at him and are just like this is this is kind of weird yeah and i think also kind of too to me it's kind of like maybe he's still almost like in shock and so that's you know they they were like everybody you know this is hey your your fiance's dead so you know police are like everybody reacts differently and so you always kind of have to give them time to react give them time to process but they were just like literally 52 53 seconds and that was it and they were just like that was kind of weird so John tells police that he didn't know anyone money, that nobody was after him, that this couldn't have been like revenge for somebody on his side, and that he didn't know of anybody who were mad at Laura or didn't know of anybody who would want to hurt Laura. John tells police that he left the house that morning to head to Home Depot in Dallas to get some supplies for her, for his construction company. He said after he left the store, he met with two of his employees to give them the equipment, work a little bit, and then he headed back home. Now, police also question family members of Laura and John's. They find out that John was very controlling and he wouldn't like hide this behind closed doors. They said that John would tell Laura what to do and what not to do in public around them what to wear what not to wear that he like didn't hide his crazy that he showed his crazy in public and sources even say police found an email from laura sent to john requesting that they break up because the relationship wasn't working out however less than a month later john proposed so everyone just assumed that they had worked things out okay so she sent an email that literally, I read it, read it in an article, and I read it in one singular article, and that was the only article that mentioned it. Hmm. So, like, this is, like, when I'm, like, sources say. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I don't know how credit, I don't know how credible that is. Like, I don't, again, the same thing, an right. email. Um, yeah. But it is, like, if this is a potentially abusive relationship, maybe yeah, an true. email is what you're, so, I, again... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, assuming that that's like you know that's actually what happened. It's uh, my point. It was just like it it's is kind of weird. weird to just like would you? I mean, like I mean, I I would even understand like she wrote out a note, right, and, and said like, hey, bye. Yeah, but yeah, an email I mean, is and, definitely. Still... I mean, and it's not like we're. I mean, you know, this was you know twenty fifteen ish. Yeah. I mean, there was plenty of technology by then. So I I don't know that 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 was just the one kind of thing that stood out to me like wait hold on (laughs) yeah so when police look into John's story they go to the Home Depot and they look at their video cameras and they do see John at the store buying supplies and they even see him meeting with two employees in the parking lot so his story checks out. Now, police want to meet up with the two employees, James Vild, v- sorry, Vilda and Emmanuel Jesus Trevino. 
James had been working for John for about three weeks, while Jesus was looked at as being like John's right-hand man. So during their questioning, both of the boys' stories matched. However, Jesus seemed to be a little too upbeat when answering questions about his dead friend's wife. So now we're back to the same situation of John. John is not showing any emotion and Jesus is like showing a little too much emotion. Jesus is like, he's very animated in the video you see of his interrogation. You don't hear any audio from his interrogation, but they show snippets of it. And he's just very happy go lucky. Like he's laughing. He's talking. He's very animated in his body movements. So again, just a little weird. Now, Jesus tells police that in the morning, he went to meet John in Dallas, and he stayed in that area the whole morning. However, when police look at Jesus's phone records, they see that his phone was pinged in Rowlett around 8.26 a.m., a mile from Laura's house. So police decide to pull James in again for questioning now that they know Jesus is lying. So basically, they're looking at James as like the weak leg of the tripod, like to try to get him to say something. But James sticks with his story that Jesus came and picked him up and they went straight to Dallas, even with police having the evidence that they were lying James wouldn't back down from his story. So with police having this phone ping, they get a search warrant for the latest data from Jesus' cell phone. Police find recorded phone calls between Jesus and John on the day that James was interviewed. And the two were concerned, you hear their conversations, they were concerned about how long James had been questioned. They were worried about what James was going to tell police and just very worried about James being questioned, but they really don't give anything in these recordings. So when police start to look more into Jesus and James, they find out that the men both have previous records. Jesus was a convicted sex offender and James had some drug charges against him. So around December of 2015, police have an idea that both James and Jesus are involved in the murder, but they don't have any evidence to charge them. But in another case completely separate, James is arrested and charged with unrelated drug charges, and Jesus has a warrant arrest for failing to register as a sex offender. But no one can find Jesus. And police think he that he might have left the state, so the police ask for the public for help. So, you've got these two guys who are like, hey, we're pretty sure that they're involved. Oh, looky here. They literally have given us reasons to arrest them. So James is arrested. We have a search warrant for Jesus, but we can't find Jesus. It won't be until April of 2016 when Jesus is arrested in Florida and he's brought back to Texas. That's a, what is that, one, two, three, four, like five months almost? Yep, five or six months. That's pretty crazy to be 
I mean, like on the run, on the run. I mean, I mean, Florida, or, you know, Texas to Florida. That I mean, that's probably you know ten hours. Maybe. Getting out, of, getting out of Texas is nine hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It takes you uh, what nine hours to from Tyler to like yeah Bossier Shreveport <laughs> in in Louisiana. Yeah, it's a joke because that's like thirty minutes. I mean, it's literally. So, we find him. However, during the time that Jesus is on the run, they have several people who call in about Jesus. An ex-girlfriend of his calls and says that while they were together, Jesus had mentioned to her that he was hired by his boss to kill someone for 15 grand but he never told her who it was. Now this conversation with this ex-girlfriend led to the apartment that Jesus lived in, which then introduced police to Jesus's past roommate, who also had told hey who Jose, sorry, who Jesus had also said, my boss hired me to kill someone. He didn't tell him who, but he said my boss paid me 15 grand to kill someone. This conversation with the roommate led to a past co-worker of Jesus and a past employee of John's who said that Jesus bragged all the time about how John had hired him for murder, but he never knew who the person was. So now we have three separate people who are like, oh yeah, Jesus used to brag all the time about this money he got because his boss hired him for murder, but they never got evidence of what happened. Now, police have all of this evidence. They have all of this information, but they don't have a confession from anyone. So they're pretty much at a standstill. They have an idea of what happened, but nobody's fessing up to anything, so they can't really go anywhere. It's not until June 2nd, 2016, when James is brought in for questioning again. Now, James is fascinated with the Texas Rangers, not the baseball team. Not the baseball team. (laughs) They are an investigative law enforcement agency. They were founded, little yeah, history lesson here. They were founded by Stephen F. Austin in the 1800s sometime. They're based out of Austin and Texas. I believe they have about 150, 160 members. I don't really know what they're called. Members. And they are a statewide jurisdiction. So they lead from all over the place. They lead the bird the border security program. They serve as security forces in different areas, primarily the Alamo, um, protect state officials. They come in and help with cases such as this one. They're, I, Texas is a unique state. I grew up in Texas and moving out of Texas and then trying to explain Texas to non-Texas people is hard. Texas is it's not only is it his own wow words are hard it's I'm it's hard to you. come back to to podcasting after you've been off for like three weeks. 
Texas is not only its own state, it is its own country. Uh, literally. And so I was trying to like think of something that I could connect the Texas Rangers to to like help you better understand. Is it, is it kind of, I mean, like a more elevated like highway patrol, basically? It is in like that instance, but I'm trying to like, as kids, you hear like you hear about the Texas Rangers. So James, even when he's questioned, he even mentioned stories that he heard about the kid. Now the Texas Rangers, a lot of times are talked about in the wild, wild West days. Um, And they talk about Texas Rangers coming in and saving the day. And so you hear of cases where officers have been working on a case forever And then they bring in the state troopers and nobody can figure out this case. But then one Texas Ranger comes in and within a day, he's got the whole case figured out. It's basically like a highway superhero of... It's like a highway patrol DEA, like, uh, detective, like, all in one. Right. But for, like, a little kid, it is like the Texas superhero... So this is what James has grown up with. And I, I'm not a boy, so I can't attest to that. But I think as little boys, like, being a superhero, you're like, that's so cool. Like, I want to be one of those one day. And so growing up in Texas, hearing about the Texas Rangers, like, he is obsessed with them. And so they use this obsession that James has to try to get him to give them information so they bring a texas ranger in so that james will talk to him and try to see if james's fascination will get them information after nine hours of interrogation my goodness james finally tells police the texas ranger everything He said since he started working for John, Jesus had been talking about him being hired for murder. But James said he always thought Jesus was full of it and never thought much of it. So James said the morning of Laura's murder, Jesus picked him up that morning and they drove straight to Laura's house. He said Jesus goes inside the house when James stays in the car, Jesus comes back out of the house, gets in the car, says a simple, let's go, and they leave. James says that he asked Jesus what happened, and Jesus says that he shot Laura in the head. So now, with this information, they bring John in for questioning, but now they need a confession from John. However, John is questioned for an hour and 30 minutes, almost two hours right. before he asks for a lawyer. Now, so that ends now, like what? Cause you always see like most of the time, like if you're getting questioned, you know, it's in these cases that we've covered, like most of the time they'll almost lawyer up almost immediately. Right. So like why go through two hours of questioning and they're like, oh, no, I want my lawyer now. That's, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think at that point, I mean, we'll get into it. But basically, he's kind of painted himself into a corner of like, 
oh crap right right and so that is a part of the interrogation is that this texas ranger is like (laughs) there he says all right here's the deal dude you hired an idiot to do your job for you <laughs> because James told me everything. He's like, James told me everything. Jesus told me everything. You hired two idiots to do the job. And like, that's your fault. But John is, he's like, I didn't hire anybody to do anything. So I really right. don't know what, you know? And so anyways, but yeah, then after an hour and a half, he's like, well, I think I should talk to my attorney. And they're like, well, that ends that. Well, so, okay. Duh. So the case goes to trial where John still says that he never hired Jesus for murder. But in the end, Jesus and John are charged with capital murder and they're sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. But because James helped police out, he was charged with a lesser charge of murder and he was sentenced to 25 years. So there you go. Wow. There you go. Now go on with your oh, fishy... we're just man, we're just jumping right into this. All right, so I care exactly where I heard this begin, but basically, uh, it actually kind of exploded on your favorite social site, TikTok. Oh. So basically, there was a fishing tournament in Ohio. Oh, oh yeah, you know the story already. Um, and the, it was set to award $29,000 to the two winning anglers. Um, however, that was t- ripped to shreds by this cheating scandal. Um, so a heavier catch, you know, heavier than expected catch um when you know at the weigh in um really kind of threw things off right cuz everybody was kind of just like you know people were bringing in you know I've done a little bit of fishing in my time and I think I've caught like either like little baby fish or like those like fish that you can't really eat right. it's just like those <laughs> like the the bottom the feeder fish, fish. You use, yeah yeah and so, you know, they they were it's it was a a walleye fishing. Um and they and as the inspection got further along, and I'll go more into details here, but basically the the story is everybody they had stuffed lead lead weights into their fish just to win. So, everyone was have, you know, everyone's you know, good old time celebrating all the catches that were being brought in however that all kind of changed when uh, uh jacob runyon and his partner chase kaminsky brought their fish to the scales so the at that time the best fish that was brought up to that point was basically seven and a quarter pounds which is like a pretty good sized <laughs> fish yeah but every single one of Runyon's and Kaminsky's catches kept getting more and more over that number for like no reason. And so everybody was just like, okay, um, there's, and I'm sure you could look up the video on TikTok and there's a whole, like, I mean, I've seen 
on YouTube, like there's like you can watch the whole deal on this. It's it's really wild because it's one of those things like hey, everyone, it's kind of like clicking with everybody, like right. Here's one, and everyone's like, wait a minute, and so um one yeah like like i was saying everybody you know there was one person that recorded this the entirety of this of the you know entire weigh-in and obviously runyon and kaminsky were the winners right however you know like i was saying there's a lot of people that are like you know the people that are in attendance and also the other fishermen that are there they're just amazed by how many that they've you know the the pounds that these fish are that they've been because even when you look at their fish you're like they they're not big fish right yeah yeah and so just like i was saying there was a lot of comments that were just like that so basically they went over like 33 pounds which i can't remember exactly how many fish you can catch but basically, I mean, that's that's just an outrageous number. Right. And so, basically, what you just said, someone in a little more uh, PG-13 R language said, <laughs> F that, that ain't no seven-pound fish. <laughs> and so, and he's going to check the stomach on that one. Um, and then basically, just like, without even hesitating, the tournament director, Jason Fisher, which I thought was really funny. His last name was Fisher. <laughs> Um, calls for the knife and begins to inspect their catch. And he is stunned. He said, we got weights in fish, he yells, with a crowd quickly engulfing Runyon, who stands emotionless while weights are pulled from his fish. And it's like, have you watched the video? Oh, yeah. Like four or five weights coming out of each fish. Oh, yeah. There, there, there was a picture in, in one of the articles I was reading. I mean, and they're like, I mean, they're pretty good they're size, pretty too. Hefty. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, the thing is, um, you know, <laughs> basically, it was just like how, you know, some of the stories that I read was basically was saying how how awful it was, like, like how they tried to cheat, not like they put you know like one or two in there, but they were <laughs> saying put like four, four or five, five yeah. in a fish. Um, so like one of their walleyes was looked like a four or five you know point fish judging from the eye test is what this article right. said but it weighed over seven pounds yeah so like i mean there was just so many of these things because like the funny is like they probably would have gotten away with it if you put like one in each fish or maybe even two in each fish yeah. but you outdid it by like putting four yep. or five and so basically it was just like you know there now there's an investigation going on into these two um the Ohio Department of Natural Resources are preparing to report you know for for the Cuyahoga Cuyahoga I got so I butchered that one but basically the the county prosecutor um but here here's the thing the duo had won over $300,000 in fishing competitions in the Ohio area. I mean. So, and, and I love this one article that I read. I, I loved this line. It says, it's been a big year for cheating in sports, which 
I watch a lot of sports, and I'm not really exactly yeah. sure what they're talking about, but but the, the slide right here. But it's the world of fishing that could see someone get arrested for it. <laughs> what a world. Right. <laughs> that this is going to be, wow. Well, My favorite thing about TikTok, and it, it is also one of the negative things about TikTok, is that something like this goes viral, and <laughs> saw the video and like everybody in the comments were like i am outraged <laughs> like this is like, wild they, they've never like people who have never fished in their life or, or have like, never even known fishing was a competition yeah. are like this is outrageous like we call for justice what? and so this is my favorite thing for a long period of time everybody was like do you remember that fish guy like how could he do that God. well and like and i can't remember if if i i know i read it somewhere basically basically it was a your entry fee into this is basically part of the prize money so yeah, basically right, right, right. i mean like that's why they're like kind of starting to go after him because it was it was this whole big deal of like well basically i mean they're like stealing money from yeah, everybody I mean, right yeah so that was my nice story. We'll see someone story get arrested I for know, oh fishing. <sighs> that is funny. What kind of world do we live in? <laughs> it's just, uh, I mean, it, it was one that I saw it and I was like, I know this quite isn't my normal like crimeology deal, but I was like, but in a in another sense, it is my normal. I mean, when they get arrested. When, back an update. That's going to be a full show right there. <laughs> Golly. Well, there you go. What is this, episode 82? 82. We're back. It was rough. <laughs> it was rough. Um, I even did two episodes by myself, and I forgot how to talk, I guess. Um, it's because I because you have somebody to I'm talk nervous. back to. <laughs> um, but yeah, episode 82 how many does this we have eight more left in the season something like that and then we will take a two-week break but we'll talk about that as we get closer um sam, so they, sam may not let me take a two-week break it might just be me talking for two weeks yeah, about maybe i'll take a two-week break <laughs> you took your two-week <laughs> break um but yeah make sure to follow us social medias uh facebook instagram we have uh email crimologypod at gmail.com uh five stars review us rate us do all of the things um all of the nice things please um like always this is sam this is steven and this is crimology. Mm -hmm.